This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... <coughs> I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days, so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Hey everybody, in this episode of Box Office Breakdown, Quentin Tarantino's new film isn't strong enough to knock Simba off the top of the box office charts. We're going to break it all down next. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Box Office Breakdown. Of course, it's the show where we look back at the box office that was, and then we... Bree, can you do this with me? Because I don't have my other person. You coward. Okay. Prague. Sit. Oh, look at that. (laughs) By the box office that lie ahead, I am Frank Moran. What's up? Carrie Lane here. And making us look good and sound even better... Bree in the booth. Hey, everybody. Our, our, the, uh, the, the third person to our panel here, Amy Cassandra Martinez, nailed it, yeah. <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> is not with us today, but she'll be back here next week to talk all about the, the, the movie goodness we've got coming up, especially, I mean, next week's huge, Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, get ready. Right. So it's, I think it should be a national holiday when that comes out. <laughs> but uh, folks, we'll be breaking down the box office uh, reviews there. We'll get up to date on our box office bets, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll, we'll look ahead at next week's box office bet on Hobbs and Shaw, as well as do a spoiler-filled review on Quentin Tarantino's new film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But first off, folks, like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give it a thumbs up while you're there. Two, three, four, five. And uh, Carrie, if they're watching after we stream live, what can they do? Yes, Frank, you all can comment down below. Fantastic. So without any further ado, let's just jump back into this uh, this week's top five. Yeah. Coming in at number one is The Lion King, still holding on strong there, uh, with another $75.5 million to its box office total. I was trying to think of a good pun, but they were kind of escaping me. I'm it's like, great. Uh, <laughs> it's Roar Lions. Was Heard. Ah, there you go. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and no. we have talked many times about how we felt about the Disney live action adaptations and stuff. <laughs> Air quotes on live action. Yes. Um, <laughs> on this one. Uh, but I still have not seen the film yet. I, I haven't either. I haven't felt that really yeah. strong oomph. But there is one person. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's one person that did. Bree, what did Whee! you think? I thought the film was really beautifully shot. I thought it was a really fun film. Um, and almost frame for frame, the exact same film as the cartoon. There was a few added scenes. And the two drawbacks for me were that the animals didn't have any kind of emotional responses in their faces and that I was not a fan of Billy Eichner. Uh, be prepared. It's a little bit more low-key, correct? Yeah, it's definitely it's not. not uh, that The jokes were not as vamped up in this one, I think, because mm. they wouldn't have hit really well oh, because sure. of the live-action aspect look. Oh. So they mm. kind of toned down on the really two over-the-top jokes. Gotcha. 
So, Brie, after watching that, can, I mean, I'm sure you're like, hey, I like it because I like the original. But did you, at the end of it, go like, that was fine, but I really see no reason why, other than yeah. money, that this exists? I mean, I think of that way for a lot of the live action ones. Mm. I mean, some of them are really fun. I think some of them don't need to exist. But I do think that it is a fun way to bring in a new generation of kids to the film. And they I do watch the cartoon. They too. could, but I also do think it's really fun that they did, you know, use a more diverse cast for this one. Mm. Than Fair. The original. I uh, think that's a cool thing to do. So if you had a kid, six, seven, eight years old, and you wanted to show them the Lion King, would you show them the the, the animated version or would you show them this one? Maybe both. Hmm. Maybe right. maybe start with the animated one and move up to this one later. Got it. All right. Kids like to watch the same thing. So, yeah. That's true. Uh, Ant- Anthony Fortuna says animating real life animals was a mistake. Uh, Neela J said the voice acting and the singing was mediocre and that they were underwhelmed with Donald Glover's singing and voice acting. Interesting. Hmm. Well, but, I'll get to it probably later. Uh, yeah. As I do with a lot of the movies on here, I'm like, I'll get to it later. I mean, I guess I've had a couple opportunities where, I, but I've just kept on putting it off. I'm like, eh, whatever. I'll get to it. Yeah. So I'm gonna not making you rush. No, no. not stampeding. Ah, uh, see, there we go. I was <laughs> like, ah. there you go. Uh, coming at number two in our top five is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's ninth film. As I said, I'll do a, uh, a spoiler-filled review at the mm-hmm. end of the show if you want to tune out. But uh, overall, I. My my feeling is if you just want to see a, a great slice of life film without any really heavy plot, and you enjoy you know kind of Quentin Tarantino's aesthetic, then you I guess will enjoy this film. So I'll get more into it uh, later. That is not selling me yet. Oh, how about uh, Brad Pitt? Man, his his six pack. Well, oh, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> uh, he looks fantastic. Is that selling you? No, no. How about a great fight scene between Brad or Brad Pitt's character and Bruce Lee? That'd be cool. Uh, that uh, it, it was brief, but yeah, I mean, and certainly Brad Pitt has you know he's done Fight Club, he did Troy, uh, but I never really and he did Mr. And Mrs. Smith. But yeah. my my first go to for Brad Pitt is not necessarily action guy. Even though he's done right. those films. He, but, like yeah. he looks like he's physical enough to do that, but no, not necessarily what he does yeah. all the time. So it was cool okay. just to see him, even though it's a very short scene, it, yeah. it was cool to see him in like a little mini fight scene. I mean we'll get more into it later, but um did you like Hateful Eight? You know, I did, but I'm a sucker for a Western. Okay. Because so. I had some people online, they're kinda like, Oh, they hated Hateful Eight. They didn't really get into like they dislike Westerns or something like that. But I I enjoyed Hateful Eight. I mean it's definitely a slow burn, but it's a Western, so mm-hmm. But also, Slice of Life is making me not as... Slice of Life normally does. I'm like... Mm. Yeah. I mean, you mm. can reach the end of this film and just say, like, okay. I mean, mm. I spent two hours and 41 minutes with these characters. Because it's long, right? It yeah. is. You know, I feel like if you like yeah. if you okay. like shots of people smoking and you like shots of people driving, I mean, on a lot, then <laughs> this is a movie for you. Okay. Oh, we'll get more to it, though, at the end yeah. of the show. Coming in at number three, Spider-Man Far From Home. Another, uh, oh, actually, sorry, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood brought in a little over $40 million. Spider-Man Far From Home did $12.2 million. And number uh, four, Toy Story 4, another $9.87 million. And rounding out our top five was Crawl from Paramount with $4 million straight up. You haven't had a chance to see Crawl yet? Nope. But I did see one from a while ago. I finally saw Robin Hood uh, via HBO. And 
I actually did enjoy it. I forget because you said you hadn't seen it. Right? I hadn't seen it. Okay, um, I, it's definitely the vibe that the trailer gave you, though it was really kind of weird because so the movie has the talking about Robin Hood that came out like a little bit ago. Uh, in case people are like, what are we talking about? Uh, it has, like, the narration of, okay, forget what you know, and blah, blah, this is not, like, the traditional Robin Hood story. And I'm like, okay, cool. But then they have, like, uh, Robin Loxley goes to the Crusades. And I go, okay, sure, I'm I'm along for that ride. But then the way they film it, um, you just sit there and go, did we turn into a contemporary, like, Middle East war movie? Because hmm. the style of it and the fighting, which... Is also not necessarily bad, but you go, wow, that was a okay tonal shift. And then he goes back, and uh, Jamie Foxx's character, you know, teaches him um, better fighting techniques and stuff because uh, they had their they meet fighting and um, turn events. They stay together later. Uh, it's definitely it's way more historical fantasy fiction, and I say fantasy in the terms of like some of the clothing seems almost contemporary. And, like, it's not very historical in style. Like, there's some clothing that you could wear today and nobody would bat an eye, really. Uh, Or there's, like, the coal mine. And it feels super contemporary industrial or at least, like, much more modern. So kind of more, like, Knight's Tale, like, historical aspect to it. And it's way more just, like, the fun and the action and the fighting and the arrows. So I thought it was cool, but it's definitely not like traditional to Robin Hood as a story. But I thought it was a cool take on it. Not as good as not as good as the Kevin Costner one. I did like the Kevin Kevin Costner one a lot. And then come on, speaking of originals, the animated one is so good too. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just a different vibe. It's if you saw the trailer, it's the same kind of vibe as the trailer. So All right. I think they that one is they sold you on what the vibe was. Hmm. All right. But yeah. Uh one other film that one of us has seen is a is a film that cares you want to tell us about and I was now. like and another one well actually speaking of action and adventure uh, there's a new movie is coming out on the 16th of August let me grab that um, and it's called Kingdom and it's by Funimation Films but something kind of random tidbit that's interesting so it's technically set in China and like China history of kind of um, uniting all of the China provinces to like one country essentially, but it's Japanese actors and they're speaking Japanese. So I was like, Oh, well that's interesting. Um, so it's these two guys that end up as friends. Uh, and they, their goal is to like become the greatest generals cause they're slaves and they go, okay, well that's the way you could rise to power is being like a swordsman and getting prowess that way. But, uh, one of the friends is taken away and has to go work for the king. And then the other friend gets reunited with them. And then it's like action, adventure, and fighting. And I really liked the action style fighting. It does take a little bit to get to it. But uh, there's cool... The fight scenes are great. There's like a female character later that's like not a huge surprise reveal that it's a girl. And her fighting is really cool. And you're just like, where did this come from? And it, it it's fun and it is over the top and so um Brie kind of speaking also back to talking about Lion King and like the um uh expressiveness or something versus animated and live action something I really do like about Japanese films is almost you for us here you could almost say it's overacting but it's just really it's as if like anime came to life of just it's just 
intense and energetic, and it's very fun about that. And side note, it has so far made um, $31 million in Japan, so I'm like, that's cool. Um, so Funimation Films is also a division of Sony Pictures Television Funimation, which is like, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I'm trying to see, but yeah, come out August 16th, check local theaters. Um, yeah, action adventure and, uh, check online for local theaters to watch that. Ooh. I do recommend it really. Yeah. If you like historical drama action and there's actually a lot of comedy or there's a moment where, the main guy, Zing, he's um, he's very brash and, like, kind of obnoxiously arrogant, but he's not totally wrong. Like, he just has no sense of being subservient to the royalty and, like, I don't care. I'm just going to be me and kind of attitude. And he says, like, this plan, and the other characters kind of, no, that's actually, like, a good idea. And it is. You sit there in the audience, you go, that was actually a good play. And so it's just kind of, I like when movies do that where you, the audience, have a thought and then the character expresses it and you go, oh, good. The logical progression of what I thought the character also thinks. Because to me, other movies, you're like, what are you doing? That You're just being dumb or something like that. So, yeah, check out Kingdom. All right. Uh, so, folks, we did. We knew we were going to be gone for two weeks because Amy and Carrie are both having a wonderful time last week. Yeah, can we can. Yes. Follow all their social media adventures. All videos, I'm sure. All posted, more to still be posted. Uh, yes, the I covered the press room for Van Helsing, the show. And, and that, that a salute to the great Hugh Jackman film of old. Which, you know, I actually like that movie. <laughs> oh, come on. I come do, on. yes. Oh. Uh, did the press room for Van Helsing, uh, as which was cool because, speaking of another show, did you ever watch Battlestar Galactica? Mm-hmm. Um, Cylon 6, the one in the red dress blonde? Yes. She's now in Van Helsing. Oh. And I got to interview her. So I was like, oh my gosh. Because I was like, I knew who that was. And a couple of my friends were like, I don't watch Battlestar Galactic. I'm like, ah, oh, it's really good. Uh, also, the press room did a roundtable for The Expanse, which they've already been renewed for season six. So that's amazing, Amazon, that they're all ready for that. Uh, as well as The Boys. We got to get some of that mm-hmm. as well. I have not watched it yet. And... Those are those press rooms. I also got to see the experience for the Orville and Pennyworth, which were really cool experiences. So Orville had props and uh, wardrobe, and then there was a special day, and they had the cast came and did photos, and then they also had people in costume, which was really really cool. Nice. That is on my social media. I posted interview. I interviewed um, a woman who's in charge of wardrobe once it gets to set which is fun, of talk about wardrobe malfunctions and other costume fun things. And then uh, Pennyworth, I have not watched that yet, but that's the idea of Alfred before he's Alfred with Batman. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I've heard good things about the pilot, so. Uh, but I, I like their experience because it made you feel like you were in the world. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, very nice. I'll be posting more of that, and I also got to do the Walking Dead experience, and I have a little video of that. But Hooray. their experience thing was fun. Uh, <laughs> You're like, I've fallen off the lacking dead. Uh, <laughs> Ellen's uh, dead to you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, but folks, we did two box office bets knowing that we'd be gone. Yes. So first one was on Lion King mm-hmm. and our second one was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, and our totals there, oh man, you know, uh, humble bragging. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, uh, say, I probably am not. I mean, I, I, it was a double header for me. Oh, Just crushed it, you. crushed it. So coming in and uh, our loser for Lion King Amy Cassandra Martinez with 135. That's why she's not here. That's why she's she was like, afraid. I knew. 
She's so afraid. Don't worry. We'll remind her next week. I know I will for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had Carrie at 140, Brie at 162, myself at 175 to win this. It's opening grot bucks off his total last week was 191 million. Oof. So, yes. Uh, Aim for the. That's right. Aim for yeah. the stars. The end mm. of the Serengeti? Yeah, that's right. I don't sure. Know. Where the horizon. To, I guess, <laughs> I'm, all the puns are not here today. <laughs> uh, and then Once Upon a Hollywood, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did $40 million here. I. Uh, so our well, a loser for that one is Brie mm. with fifty eight million. Oh no, no want want for you. No, no, that's just for Amy. <laughs> <laughs> then we had uh, Amy at number uh, Amy's number third, number third, third place mm-hmm. there with forty uh, fifty seven. Then Carrie thirty seven. Look at that, so close. And then myself forty two million dollars. So oh, because then I'm three off. You're two off. That's right. Look at that. Well, you already saw it. Oh. But I didn't lose, so. I didn't lose. I didn't lose. And I didn't lose either. That's so. right. So look at that. Guess I don't got to see it. <laughs> but folks, we'll be doing another box office bet. And usually we turn this over to you folks there in the chat to help us decide which film we'll be doing it. But there's only one film, and one film only. That's all we care about. And that's Hobbs and Shaw. Yes. The latest spinoff. The next kind of hint of the uh, into the Fast and Furious world. We will be doing our box office bet on that in just a little bit. How excited yes. are you? I am. I am excited. <laughs> I, 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 saw, I think I saw another trailer, and I'm like, I don't even need to watch any more trailers. I want to see right. it. Well, uh, just a quick thing about some international numbers here. It uh, Lion King crushing it there in the international box office, lapping up 142.8 mm-hmm. million dollars from 53 offshore markets, bringing the overseas total to 611.9 million dollars, with a worldwide total of 962.7 million dollars through Sunday. Hmm. It also helped push Disney to an all to a new all time yearly global box office record of seven point six seven billion. Oof. Uh, Just a little bit of money. Surpassing the previous studio, a uh, previous record by the studio of seven point six one back in twenty sixteen. Hmm. Look at that. Make the dollar bills, yeah. Uh, so overseas, Disney's become the first studio to cross five billion dollars in a single year. With an estimated five point zero nine billion dollars to date, and those don't include any of the Fox titles. It's just pure Disney. Oof. Yeah. So uh, basically, Disney gets the records with the aid of three other movies that have topped over one billion in twenty nineteen. We've got Avengers: Endgame, Captain Marvel, and Aladdin. And who knows how Spider Man: Far From Home is doing? It's it's tracking really well. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, that is a uh, Disney's becoming quite the film juggernaut. Uh, Toy Story 4, which is at uh, $917.9 million globally through Sunday, just saw a slight drop overseas. And then we've had uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, as I, Far From Home, as I mentioned, is uh, also getting ready to cross the $1 billion worldwide. It's actually, I shouldn't say that for Disney, because it is a, it's a Sony film, even though it's a Marvel Studios overseeing it, but it's really a Sony production. So Sony's going to be basking in that glory there, but they should be happy after, if they're getting close to $1 billion, to stay in that uh, relationship with Marvel, because Marvel is definitely doing well by that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, and then we've got, uh, uh, and, and now what's li- likely to be the next billion dollar crossover is going to be for Disney. It's going to be the Lion King. So it should get there in the next few days. And Toy Story Four picked up another nineteen point four million in nine in forty markets, and that lifts the international total to five hundred and twenty two point three million dollars and nine hundred and seventeen point nine million dollars worldwide. It will soon pass Shrek. Shrek. Oh, Wow, Shrek. go Shrek for having so uh, much. I did not realize Shrek did that much. But right? It, yeah, it's become the number 11 animated release ever. Huh. And Pixar's fifth outing in that group. Hmm. 
are we going to mention since Amy's not here? Just what an Endgame d- did. Yeah. Yes. And she's not true. here to celebrate. She's not even here to it. celebrate. That's right. Finally, yeah, Endgame passes Avatar. You know, our own Neil though on Twitter pointed out. I think I, fr- I don't have the tweet in front of me. But point out, it's like, yeah, but Avatar made that money on its own, and Marvel's Endgame has an entire franchise behind it. So True. just saying. And I'm like, that's a good point of, you know, they have no previous films to, I mean, they have names attached, sure, but Endgame has 10 years prior of Marvel films to lead up to that. Like, if it had just dropped that one and you had never seen the others, might not have made those numbers. Just saying no. as I sip my tea. No, I mean, no, you, you have to give James uh, Cameron credit. I mean, these are original creations mm-hmm. that he's putting together. And, I mean, the stories may not be fantastic. Right. But he just finds a way to get audiences world. to tap in. Mm-hmm. And they get sucked in. And now yep. that's why we're getting, what, four more Avatar films. Yeah. Get ready, folks. Lots of Avatar coming into your life. Yes. Oh, you, whether you want it or not, it's coming. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> so, I'm inside. Yeah. Folks, we're going to get ready to, uh, to do our next week's top five. We'll do our box office better than Hobbs and Shaw. But before we do that, mm. I wanted to take an opportunity, and I'm sorry that Amy's going to be missing out on this, mm. but we'll take a moment to do our power ranking, a box office power ranking of the Fast and Furious franchise. Oh, man. Okay. There you go. We've got eight films in the series. Surprisingly, Fast and Furious. Do you have summaries of them? <laughs> What? Oh my gosh! Well, of course. So you've got Fast and Furious. Okay. They're just um, robbing VCRs. You know, and all I that think stuff I. When did I rewatch? I rewatched them all for number seven. And what if you guys just did your top three? Maybe yeah. make it a little easier. No, I'm just trying to think too, because Tokyo Drift is better than people give it credit for. I'll start with that. If only because the problem with it is it's a different character, and that kind of throws through some people for a loop because you're like, wait, I really like these people, and now you're giving me something else. Um, I think it's actually, and then that's the third, right? That is third. Take your I think the second I was was not as good. I mean, uh, that's the one where there's no there's it's like, no Vin Diesel. It's just Paul Walker and Tyrese. Miami. Yeah, they're hanging out down yeah, there. Yeah, I, that one was like, uh, I almost want to pull that one from the franchise. I didn't. That one didn't do it for me. Uh, so that's one, that's one, two, three. What's what's four? Four is when they ca- they get the original cast back together, but it's really five when they introduce the yeah, rock. I feel, I feel like that's was... the injection of like yeah. yes. That's the turbo. That's the, that's when they hit the nitrous <laughs> yeah. on that franchise, and boom, that went off. Okay. Um, what about you? Do you know me? I would go. Five You're like is, I'm ready. Five is number one for okay. me because I feel like that that film they just hit t- their stride they hit their stride I mean they really kind of got back everything back on track in 4 when they yeah. brought back the original cast mm-hmm. because it's you know you want to see Vin Diesel Paul Walker great but Paul Walker by himself in that world not as interesting I feel right. like he plays off better against having Vin Diesel sure. play against them but the two of them I I felt once they introduced The Rock into that as somebody that is uh, that is smart and formidable I felt like that really was the boost that you needed, it's a, as opposed to them like, ah, oh, we can always just get one up on these bad guys. It was, yeah. Hobbs was a good guy trying to capture them. Yeah. And so you were actually had a vested interest in seeing him win. Uh, so I felt like that was great. Six, six is, uh, five, is the, five is the summit for me. That's right there. And then you get six. six? Uh, I mean, six is where we find out. Which one has the tanks on the ice? <laughs> 
Oh, that that was the latest one. That was one. seven. That was eight. That was eight. Okay, that one yeah. was a little a little bit absurd. No, but by get, then you're like, whew. You know, five is when they do the whole big uh, heist in uh, South America. There, uh, so they get that the bank. Okay, they I think five is probably there. one of them. Yes, I would agree. That's probably Six one is of the when best. Gal Gadot's character she dies on the the airplane as yes. friend taking off. Seven there is when Paul Walker unfortunately passed away, so they had to deal with kind of writing right. his character off in the franchise. And then eight is when you you gave great summaries. There you go. And then eight is then, (laughs) of course, where you kind of, you see uh, Clint Eastwood's son step in, Scott Eastwood. Yeah. Where you felt like that was going to be the Paul Walker character. Because what I had read that originally we had Kurt Russell as Mr. Nobody. Yeah. They were going to tie it in that he could possibly be Brian's father, which Mm. would have been interesting to see. But I feel like the franchise lost a little bit when Paul Walker passed away. Uh, And no, Tokyo Drift is the third one. But so. uh, yeah, but it comes in much later in continuity. If you're talking at the film series, this is true. In, That's in the other thing. You, they you can't necessarily watch them in that order. <sighs> yeah, you, basically, you watch three after uh, after six. Mm. Then you drop in three, and then you bring in seven. I still think one should be up there as well because it just started it all. You know. Yeah, Come I mean, on, live you... my life a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, I guess maybe I'll do five, one, and three. All right, that's your top. All right, sure, as my five, top three. Thanks, five, one, Bree. And three. Okay, five, one, and three. What about you, Frank? I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go five, six, seven. I'm gonna go okay. that way. Yeah. Yep. I mean, one is fine. Yeah. You know, but it just it introduces you to a world, but then the world just got so much better. Once you brought the, brought the Brock into it. Yeah. So for me, I'm excited about Hobbs and Shaw. Yes. Let's see. Because one of my favorite fight sequences in all those films is in part seven. So which part? Where Jason Statham and The Rock, they go. The parking garage? Yeah, at the beginning, where he goes and fights him in his headquarters. And then it's a really quick scene. Yeah. But then he throws a grenade and then they jump out. As you do. Yeah. And that's, I mean, The Rock, The Rock, he flexes out of a cast so he can go and beat some, beat some ass. It doesn't work like that, but that's okay. You don't know that. Casts don't do that. If you're the rock, it does. Flex, (laughs) boom. See Uh those guns, it is. Mm -hmm. So that was our Mm -hmm. our quick little power ranking. Folks, if you haven't got into the Fast and Furious franchise, you owe it to yourself to do so, especially before Hobbs and Shaw. I feel like that is now going to just take all the cool over-the-topness of this franchise and put it, distill it to its essence in this film. I do like that the series goes, oh yeah, we know. And they do the over the top. And then you, you go with it because it's just so fun. And like, I, I don't know, that I, I used the word fun a lot earlier as well. But like, that's what I want when I go to the movies. I want to be entertained. I want it fun. I mean, yes, there's horror, but then that's a different kind of fun. But these are that action and you go, yeah, we just want to watch the craziness. I mean, there's always this talk, especially because... Uh, Jason Statham's character, he kills Han, and mm-hmm. in, in so that is where you go. Hmm. Hmm. So you're feeling like, how can this character ever be yeah. redeemed? Because he killed yeah. that person. So it makes sense if you're going to want to do anything more with the character, you spin him off with the rock because he doesn't have any attachment to yeah. necessarily the family. But what I think is interesting, at least in the trailers, is that you see it's very much playing the, those two buttheads throughout the course of the film. Which mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you want to see that for sure. Yeah. But it seemed at the end of seven. That uh, excuse me, the end of eight. That they kind of reached uh, like a there's like an understand. Yeah, they they kind of like smiled at each other because they understood where each other was coming from. So for me to see the trailers where they're already like hating each other again, I'm like, yeah, what happened? 
and maybe we'll That's find out. That's what the movie's for. That's right. Uh, and Frank, I'd like to note that there's a couple people in the chat that agree with me that they also like the Hugh Van Helsing as well. Oh, come on. That film, thanks. I wanted to love that film, but <laughs> thanks. it's... Thanks, everybody. The, the redesigns, Van Helsing. yeah. Oh, the Hugh redesigns Jackman's. for all mm-hmm. the characters was just mm-hmm. thumbs down. Uh... Oh, okay. Uh, Mackers. Oh, yeah. Let us know. Leave comments down below. Which are your top three and in what order for the franchise of Fast and the Furious? Uh, Mackers. Um, Maxter's Tube says, I also like Tokyo Drift and number one uh, and five, but not in that order. So hmm. let us know what your thoughts are. And, um, and then Sky Patterson agrees that four, five, six, and seven are solid. No, that's true. I mean, four kind of sets it, and then yeah. five just goes, yeah, we got this, guys. Yeah. Boom. It's and on cruise control. Eight, oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, there we go. Puns are back. Finally got it. Yay. Uh, so, folks, we're going to do our box office bet here on Hobbs and Shaw, Fast and Furious. But before we do that, we have got some. We've got next week's top five to go. Now, we've got Hobbs and Shaw coming out on 4,200 screens. They've oh, been it's going to be number one. the heck out of this. Oh, yeah. It's How the Rock much, and Jason Statham. I mean... But it would be curious to see, as much as I love the the universe, I mean, this is a real first spinoff from the yeah. Fast and Furious franchise. And the Fast and Furious franchise is a juggernaut for Universal. It's the number one franchise. Yep. Uh, I mean, the last film crushed its opening weekend there. So how much of, how much do all these fans all of a sudden just go right to Hobbs and Shaw? Do they care if it, you're not going to see Vin Diesel? You're not going to see Tyrese? You're not going to see Michelle Rodriguez? How much are they a necessary part? to make you want to go see this film opening weekend. I think once you're in the world, you're in the world. And I think there'll be a lot of people that, even if they've never seen any of the Fast and the Furious, they're a Rock or a Stason fan. So they'll be like, yeah, I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. And it just looks like a cool action movie. And there's a lot of people like, this is the summer blockbuster popcorn movie that people get excited for. Like, yes, action, blowing things up, fast cars, fight scenes. Like, that, that's like perfect summer movie mix. All right. So, do you see for next week's top five? Basically, this goes to the top, and everything drops down one. Yes. Oh, yeah. All right. So that makes uh, it a pretty easy top five. Ryan says there uh, is Fast and Furious seven, then six, and then five. Okay. Interesting choice. All right. Interesting. Okay. And then Yusuf uh, Frank watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and he'll be talking about that shortly. Yes. Uh, not movies. I'd also like to add. I watched all of Chernobyl. That's an awesome and horrifying and Disturbingly fascinating miniseries. All right. So. Side note. Side note. Uh, as time's wrapping up, let's do our money. box office bet. <sighs> We're talking about money. Let's talk about mm-hmm. how much money Hobbs and Shaw is going to pull in. A lot. 4,200 screens. 4,200 screens. Do you have what the last fast made? Oh, I can tell you that right now. Yes. Let's look that up. Uh... Well, Thunder God Curio says, I think it will underperform domestically, but do really well internationally. Uh, it opened at, uh, it's opening for Fate of the Furious. It was a 90, oh boy, uh, like $98.7 million. I still think this could do really well. Okay, that was domestic, so globally yeah. it uh, did huge numbers. So, all right. Uh, Swing for the- you swing, swing for, for the, the fences? fences. I mean, I already Give know I'm, I'm seeing this baby. I, yeah, so. I'm planning to see this one. Uh, let me type in my number here. I'm going to... Yeah. All right. Uh, Bree, are you ready to go? Yes. All right. What number do you have for Hobbs and Shaw? I'm going to just... Uh. <laughs> yeah. 
This is so hard just because I don't. I'm I'm one of those people that I just don't watch Fast and the Furious. Uh, I'm gonna say one twelve. Okay, nice. Like it. Like it. Uh, uh, you got to start living your mi- life a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> feel better. They're fun. They're fun, huh? and they they make for a good um, uh, marathon. They do. They do. One oh five. One oh five for Carrie Lane. I as much as I was jazzing for it, I went a little lower. I went eighty five. Okay. Well, we got to have all the numbers there. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, <laughs> we got to have them all. Um, I also was going to say, if you are a fan of the character Han, I do, and you haven't seen it yet, highly recommend Better Luck Tomorrow. He's essentially the same character, and so it's like Han before he's Han. So it's like him in, ooh, are they college? I think it's college. Um, And he's the same vibe. He has a cool car. I was like, I watched that movie not quite putting the pieces together. I go, oh my gosh, it's like Han's backstory. (laughs) Because it's the same director. That's cool. For um, at least one or two of the Fast and Furious movies. So you just do like one Fast and Furious, one, two, uh... And then go watch Better Luck Tomorrow and then hop then four, in. Then four, yeah. five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. We're giving you Perfect. a big old marathon. Yes. Uh, folks, that's going to do it for this episode of Box Office Breakdown. We're going to do a spoiler-filled review in just a moment of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. A super rapid-fire 60-second spoiler-filled Well, you're thoughts. the only one who saw it, so. That's true. I can, I'll can. i talk fast. <laughs> uh, but for, folks, those of you who are jumping out, thanks for joining us. Like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give it a thumbs up. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. However many you can. And thanks for sticking around for our show. But, you know, Carrie... Popcorn Talk Network is not just box office breakdown. This you is want true. It to be, yes, but it's not. I know you love movies because you're watching this show. So, uh, thank you for tuning in and watching our program. If you're interested in more, you are going to want to check out Meet the Movie Press. It is every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So, the show is hosted by Forbes reporter Simon Thompson and other renowned LA critics like Scott Menzel, Dimitri Panos, and others. And they talk about the biggest stories in movie news. Again, that is Meet the Movie Press on Fridays in the morning, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Yeah, I mean, what better way to jump into an active box office weekend right. than finding out You're what the latest scoops. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. These guys will set you up for a, a, a fun-filled movie weekend. So, uh, yeah, folks, if you want to follow any of us on Twitter, though, and keep the conversation going, Bree, where can they find you? You guys can find me at Bree, B-R-I underscore Phipps, P-H-I-P-P-S on Twitter and Instagram. And my name is Carrie Lane. You can find me online at Carrie D. Lane. That's K-A-R-I-D-L-A-N-E. And um, my anime after show, we're taking a hiatus. We'll be back for My Hero Academia, if you're a fan of that. And then uh, follow me for more news because my schedule is getting crazy soon. So, awesome. Oh, that's be nice. My schedule's not going to be crazy. I'm just going to be here again. <laughs> I'm following the Twitter and Instagram at Happy Go Jackie. Folks, that's going to do it for this non-spoiler-filled part of Box Office Breakdown. But we're going to jump to the spoilers Three. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood, it is what what I felt about it is I as I mentioned, it's a slice of life. Mm -hmm. Which which you like about that? uh, If you do like that in a film, if you're just interested in characters and just seeing scenes and situations, and you don't need really huge overarching plot, then you may enjoy this film. I, I watched it two hours and 41 minutes, and it was like, all right, I enjoyed my time there. But at the end of it, you're kind of left like, that's it? Hmm. It is. It, it really plays on your nostalgia of seeing a time there in the, the 50s and 60s of when Hollywood is changing. Mm-hmm. The recreation that they did for that, just extraordinary, the way that they brought to life. I mean, it is all done practically. 
So there's no digital backgrounds or anything like that. They reconstructed the original kind of outdoor look uh, locations. Oh, that's and then cool. They basically built facades, and then they yeah. could only shoot once to, one side of the street at a time, be months in between. But they would drop these buildings, uh, these facades, right in front of the original spots to shoot and then lift them all up. Oh, and that's cool. So they built them in warehouses, okay. and they they, pr- they rehearsed it, how yeah. quickly they could stack them in and lift them out so they could do their shooting ah. quickly. And then months later, they'd go and do yeah, the, yeah. The, uh, the reverse side. Uh, so the faithfulness of that is great, and you do feel that if you love movie history... And uh, then this film will speak to you in terms of that kind of nostalgia factor. You do love that, and, and the the brushes with real life, uh, real Hollywood history is great. Hmm. The characters interesting. If I were, you know, Sharon Tate, there's been a lot made of that, and Quentin Tarantino does what he did down in Glorious Bastards, a little bit in Django Unchained, where he plays with history mm-hmm. and things don't necessarily play out the way that we know that they do. So, the Sharon Tate character, while he was criticized for. Uh, Margot Robbie not having much to do in the film. I mean, the, the character, the character you get, you get to just see what life would be like for her if things change, things yeah. played out a little bit differently. So, it, it's an interesting film. Uh, I thought Brad Pitt was incredible to watch. I really enjoyed his character. Very kind of a laid back kind of guy mm-hmm. who does have some questions about his past that the film never quite answers. Hmm. Uh, you know, but if you also want to see, uh, people will criticize Quentin Tarantino on his kind of. Yeah, where he's uh, for how women are treated in some of his films. Mm-hmm. The, the finale of this film does nothing to change that. So if you already have that opinion, Quentin Tarantino, you're not going to leave that film thinking any different. Mm-hmm. But this is a, a, I would think more a little, a little bit more of a more upbeat and optimistic film hmm. than you usually get from Quentin Tarantino. You know, despite some of the uh, mm-hmm. bits of brutality that you might get, but that doesn't really come to the end. There are moments of dread and suspense yeah. and tension built in a lot of these scenes, and that. Gives a little bit of payoff at the end. I think it's it, I think it's a fun watch. I don't know if it necessarily goes to my number one in terms of you're thinking of Quentin Tarantino films. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think just just for for me, just how kind of transformative and formative, I guess formative for me, what Pulp Fiction was just in the way that yeah. he just his fractured storytelling and the characters and the dialogue. For me, that just kind of kind of sits at number one for me. But I do need to give Jackie Brown another watch because I feel like that also has kind of slice of life life aspects mm-hmm. to it as well and kind of a slower pace. Uh, there are scenes, real quick, uh, of Brad Pitt driving that, uh, throughout Hollywood as he's making his way to Panorama City. Yeah. That I, there are lots of scenes of that. And these scenes go on for a while. But there's part of it you're like, why are we seeing these scenes take so long? But there's also part of it you're just like, I'm just kind of digging it. He's just driving through like old Hollywood and you're just kind of enjoying the backdrop and the yeah. scenery. You're like, okay, cool. But, uh, you know, it's it's worth checking out for okay. sure. But I don't, I know many, some people are really responding to it. I'm hearing mixed bag with yes. that. Yes. Uh, Maybe. It, I think it also has to depend on where you are in your life because Leonardo DiCaprio's mm-hmm. character is somebody that's feeling like their, their time has come and gone in Hollywood. Maybe mm-hmm. they're being forced out or they're, you know, he's, he's going to be a failure. Yeah. He's reached that point in his career where it's either you got to make that you got to take a leap or you're going to crash and burn. Mm-hmm. And I feel like anybody that's kind of having those feelings of like maybe I'm being forced out of my career or you know the, the profession that I love so much maybe doesn't want love me in return. What do I do with my life if I can't do the mm. thing that I really love? So depending on how your feelings are towards things like that, this movie could certainly impact you differently. Depending Makes on sense. You about that, but I still think it's uh, it's shot beautifully. Brad Pitt was great. I still think it's worth a watch in the theater. Uh, that's what I'll, I'll say about that film. Okay. 
So, folks, that was my long and rambling so, soliloquy about Once Upon a Time lovely, in Hollywood. Frank. Lovely, Frank. Lovely. Yes. Great. A great soundtrack if you want to go check it out. Uh, there, If you love Batman and Robin, there's a great vintage radio ad that plays at the end of the film. And it's also uh, it's only available if you get the, the whole soundtrack. It's not available as a single. So check that out, folks. We'll be back here next week for another episode of Box Office Breakdown. Will Amy be here? She better be because we got to tell her how much she's been losing lately. But until then, folks, go see some movies. See ya. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.